Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. Today's guest is Haley Rowe, who is a business coach, marketing strategist, who helps, um, and I think specifically women, but we'll talk about this, start and grow businesses. One of the reasons why I wanted to have a chat with Haley today is because we had had a previous conversation where we were talking about things like imposter syndrome and procrastination and, you know, feeling like we're not enough. Like when we go to, you know, we've invested a lot to get to where we are. And when we go to start something new in our life, often we, all of these things come up for us, right? So going from expert to novice in starting a new business feels, can feel really overwhelming. So we're going to have a chat all about that. So welcome to the podcast, Haley. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. And I totally understand the whole not enoughness vibe that usually happens when you are transitioning into something new or, you know, just feeling like there's more to life and you want to make a change, but it seems very daunting. So yeah, dive in. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, my experience, so my listeners know Mm -hmm. I had a long, long career in corporate kind of rose to the top of my, you know, in my organization, you know, I was an executive and I had invested a lot. I knew I was the expert. Like people came to me. I was the one that had the answers to the questions and, you know, the solutions to the problems. And then when I started my own business, I, you know, going back to being a complete novice and having to felt like having to start from scratch, I got completely paralyzed. Like, For a while, I got completely paralyzed with, I can't do this. I'm too old to do this. I don't know enough, like all the things. So that must be something that you encounter a lot in the business coaching you do. Because I know you, you work with startups, right? Yeah. I work with a lot of women who maybe do have a day job and they want to start transitioning into their own business or they want to, you know, just do something new. And I totally hear you because I think one of the things that we get comfortable with is how we just how life is. And when we have to start over from scratch, we feel like we tell all these stories about ourselves that maybe aren't even true. Instead of looking at where we're starting from, like you did, like you were an executive. So all the skills you had been building in that career could be applied to this new business. Mm -hmm. And if you had focused so much on, well, I'm confident about blah, blah, blah. And I have this network of these people in corporate. And I know like we tend to not see that stuff because we're so focused on I'm a newbie. Nobody's going to want to work with me. Yeah. You know what? That is so true. And because like it felt like the other part that I think was very different is for me, you know, moving from working from a corporation who wasn't really me to now it being all about me and like directly focused on me, I think was probably the most difficult transition. And I do hear this all the time from, you know, my clients who are starting businesses. It's like, okay, but now the focus is on me. Like I'm not hiding behind a title or a corporation or whatever. What do you say to women? So let me just backtrack a little bit. Starting a business is probably the best personal development journey you will ever go on. (laughs) You agree? 100%. Yes. 
Yeah. So how do you help women kind of get over that imposter syndrome or that, you know, being paralyzed by like, okay, the focus is on me and it's all me and everybody's watching and I'm going to (laughs) fail. Totally. So I think the first thing is when you're starting a business, we tend to make it mean it is us. And we take the feedback that comes to our business very personally. And we see the Mm -hmm. product as us, but the truth is you have to think of it like you are now the marketing representative executive assistant, product creator, content creator (laughs) of this company you're creating. You're wearing all of the hats. And if you hired somebody to do that for you, they would not be in their head thinking, oh my gosh, like, are they going to like this Mm -hmm. post or whatever? They would be doing it because you hired them. They have a job. They are thinking about how can they do a good job on their job and getting it done, right? But what happens with us when we start a business and it's our baby and we're passionate about it and we put our heart into it is we tend to seek validation through it. So we were like, oh my gosh, I'm making this thing. I really want people to like it. And then it kind of derails the whole point, which is really, this is for somebody else that you're creating this program or you're creating this business or you're creating this thing hopefully to create value in the world that's outside of yourself. Right. So when you can get focused on how can I truly make this the best for other people and get out of your head about it and focus instead on what value am I bringing? What does my audience need to hear today? How can I serve with this product and make it the best it can be and treat it as a separate entity from you personally as a human? Then you get more focused and are able to move through those blocks. But if you're like, and this is the other thing, like, I think a lot of us make up, like, we don't realize that we're badasses. I've, I've coached so many women who have children and have birthed them and have done like very challenging things. I had a breast cancer survivor. I've had like all these people and they're like afraid to go live on Instagram, for example. And I'm like, Wow. You have done harder things than this. I think that the thing that we get so wrapped up in is how we're being seen by other people. And once you're able to kind of just be like what other people think of you, you've never had control over in your entire life and let people be wrong about you sometimes. And that's okay. You become more free and able to actually produce rather than being in your head about things. I love, there's two things that you just said there that I want to pick out a little bit. Because I think they're two, they're kind of connected. So first of all, you know, seeking the, our own personal validation through our business. Why do we do that? Like, what's that all about? <laughs> I think it's because there's something we're not getting from ourselves. And I think Ooh. you having a really strong opinion about yourself, separate from your business, separate from anything you do in the world is really important to establish with yourself. And I think a lot of times we think the only way we can get that and gain that for ourselves is through what we do because we're taught in school, like get good grades and we're taught by our parents, like be a high achiever and all these things. And so we think our worth is derived from what we do and what we put out there, but 100% you're already worthy. You're born worthy. There's not like a question if a baby is worthy or not. And if this baby's more worthy than this baby, like it's just, you're a human, you're worthy done. And now what do you want to do with your life? And this is all bonus. 
Because I think too, and the second thing that you talked about was like discounting our own skills and ability, right? Like, I think this is probably more common for women than it is for men, but to really like, oh, well, I just did what I did. I just did what I had to do and not really stopping to kind of take in the magnitude of like, for example, like I just beat cancer. Like I fought the hard fight or, you know, I raised a family while I had a full-time job and was taking care of my parents, right? Like, you know, we just kind of like, okay, we just, we just did it, you know, without actually taking stock of that. Because one of the things I often have people do is to really take stock of like all of the things that you've done. And when you start to write it out, like, holy crow, like you really, you can really see how badass you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, like you're the thing you're helping your women with is the thing we need to be doing, which is looking at we tend to cherry pick our story based on everything we've not done, everything we've failed at, everything that's not going the way we want it to go. Instead of telling the story of the same exact circumstances, you know, you have a job, you have a family, et cetera, et cetera, but you're picking the parts of the story that are like the awesome, amazing things. And yes, you're always going to be working on things and there's always going to be things you want to improve on or expand. But you get to, there's no downside to acknowledging your wins. I think a lot of people worry about that because they're yeah. like, well, but if I start getting focused on that, then I just won't try as hard. I won't care. And it's actually the opposite. When you're in a winning momentum and you feel confident about yourself and you've, you've realized like how much you've grown and all of that, you're just on that trajectory to want to do more of it. Yeah, that's so true. And I think the other thing is, you know, again, I think as women, we're often taught like not to brag about our accomplishments, right? Like to not shine too brightly. In fact, I was having a conversation this morning with somebody about like, you know, we tend to play small, right? Like Mm -hmm. our, our focus is kind of like the things immediately around us. And even if we have like big dreams or desires, like we don't give ourselves permission to step out of that. And it's the same thing with like really celebrating like who we are. And especially if you have like, you know, if you're in your forties or your fifties, like you have a lifetime of accomplishments, like not to be discounted. Right. And just giving ourselves permission to be able to say, yeah, I am a badass," and look at all of the things that I have accomplished in this, like, and it's worth something because I hear over and over again is like, well, you know, like I have to give up everything to start over. And I'm like, but you're not really starting over, right? Like all you're doing is redirecting, which is exactly what you were talking about earlier, right? Like redirecting your talents and your skills to focus in a different area. Yeah. I like the way you phrase that. Yeah. Because it really isn't starting over. And, you know, I was talking to another woman who I actually interviewed on the podcast a little while ago, and she had a long career in education and then ended up following her passion and jumping into the nonprofit world. And she was able to like redirect her skills into becoming like a real star in this nonprofit organization. And she called herself a diamond asset. I am a diamond asset to this organization. And I was like, wow, I've never heard that before. And it was so beautiful. Right. And that's exactly like, if we could all look at ourselves that way. Right. right? If we can normalize that too, with other women doing that for themselves and saying things like that. Like, I think we don't, it's not normal in our culture just because of whatever. I don't know why, but it should be normal. Like, and that's why in communities like yours and in this personal development world and stuff, I think we're doing that, but so many people just aren't even, that's just like a complete 360 from what they've grown up believing and all of that. So it's, it's yeah. Well, 
yeah, I mean, you know, like as kids, we were even told, oh, it's not, it's not nice to brag too much, you know, like hold it back a little bit. And we, t- we took that to heart. And I, now I'm like, turn it on its head, brag, like go out, be big and bold about like who you are and what you want. Talk to me a little bit about imposter syndrome and like yeah. what exactly that is and how do we work through that? Yes. So imposter syndrome means that you think, and the, this is not, you know, a clinical definition. This is just my definition for women. So imposter syndrome really is thinking that you are not enough in some way, shape or form. Either you're not smart enough to do something. You're too old. You're too new. It's not your place. Like you're just not enough. And I think it also means that you think who would want to listen to me, who would want to buy from me, who would care what I have to say. You're not important. So when People have imposter syndrome. One of my favorite things to help them realize is I actually think imposter syndrome is a little bit selfish. And most people who have imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome would never want to be selfish. That's why they're like, you know, I want to hold back. I want to do the best I can with this. And they also tend to be perfectionists. Usually they they Mm -hmm. kind of go hand in hand. Right. Right. (laughs) I think it's selfish because you're holding back. If you are holding back, giving value in some way, shape or form and moving forward with something that you have a talent in that can serve people. If you're in your head, you're never getting out there and helping people. So I think it's really important if you have imposter syndrome to question, is it really true? So number one, if you say I'm too old, is it really true? Or like, take a look at the guy who started KFC when he was like, 65 or Colonel Sanders. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's plenty of examples that you could disprove whatever limiting belief you have about yourself, about why you're not enough or why you're not smart enough or whatever. That's the first thing. The second thing is to break through imposter syndrome. You have to start doing something with fear, with anxiety, with that feeling of like, Oh, I'm not enough. I feel awkward. Mm -hmm with you in the passenger seat while you're doing it the first couple of times in order to build that confidence. Usually now you could build the confidence with your thoughts because our, our feelings come from our thoughts. So, but the easier route for most people, because they're not just going to jump from, I don't think I'm enough to magically one day having an affirmation. They fully believe that they're amazing and confident. It's usually easier to build it through okay, I'm going to, my first baby step is I'm going to do a 20 minute Facebook live, or, I mean, I don't know. I just use that example. Cause I know a lot of people hate, yeah. Video. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I'm going to do that. That's my first thing. My deal with myself is I can do it and then I can go hide. And that's what I'm going to do today. And they decide that and they do it and they honor their commitment. They put it out there. And then this loop happens of, okay, that made me more confident. Okay. I didn't die. Okay. I can do that again. Maybe one person liked that video. Oh my gosh. Like, so you see how that's how I think is the easier route, but then you can also change your, your thoughts and start to bridge yourself to a place of more confidence by kind of neutralizing these stories and lies that you're telling about yourself that you think are fact, but we both know that it could be questioned. Yeah. I love what you just said about like really checking your stories because like most of the time, like the stories that we're telling ourselves aren't even ours to begin with. Like we might've picked it up in childhood or a teacher said something, or, you know, we had an experience that led us to believe something. And then we, you know, spin it into a story. Like I'm not good at math or whatever that is. Right. When the reality is like, maybe, you know, maybe it's just that I never learned 
right? Or maybe I was back then, but if I tried it now, it could be a different outcome. And really like trying to like, like rationalize those thoughts because in one of the way, great ways to do it is to write them down because sometimes when you see them on paper, you're like, uh, yeah, maybe that's not exactly true, <laughs> right? But in our heads, they feel really, really true. And, and I love that. Did you ever experience imposter syndrome? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody does. And I think every new level, like, so maybe I, things I used to have imposter syndrome about, I don't have it anymore, but for the next level of success, right. I have imposter syndrome. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, like every, it's never over. You're never just going to be like, I don't have emotions anymore. And I feel right. worthy every day. <laughs> like, yeah. So I think the key is getting the tools and being equipped to understand that it's normal to have feelings mm. and, and self-doubt and all of that stuff along the way. And instead of like fighting against it or just trying not to fail at all, just being like, that's part of it. And of course, I'm going to feel this way. Of course, I'm going to feel it. Cause anytime you're growing, you're going to feel stretched. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think we need to normalize like feelings of discomfort and feelings of failure are completely part of it and you can welcome them and you don't have to resist them and just be like, okay. Like, so for me, one thing with imposter syndrome, I used to have this belief that like business coaches had to, you know, wear blazers and you had to be extremely <laughs> formal and you had to show charts and graphs in every video. And you had to do like, I had this really weird which is not true at all. And right. it's really about helping people get more sales, more, you know, their marketing efforts out there and all that. But anyways, weird thoughts. And then I was just like, this is totally made up. And I've seen so many other business coaches who don't do this. So I'm going to let that go and just do it my way. And it's all good. Right. So we all have these things. And I think the other thing with imposter syndrome and starting to change that belief about yourself, you're right. The first thing is to clean it out of your head and then to look at it on paper and then to think about not, I think this is where a lot of people get messed up. They, they try to trick themselves or like fake or be like, oh, well, I'm just going to ignore this thought or I'm just going to jump to a, a new thought I really like because I heard it on a podcast or like whatever. Right. And you just need to actually become aware first and then be like, I'm noticing, like, take it out of your identity first. Because this mm. is the thing. We turn these stories into our part of our identity. So no you can't true. just jump to a positive thought about yourself. You've made this a part of your identity. So we need to look at it first. And then we need to be like, what about, you know, something a little more, not maybe you're, like what you said with the math example, mm -hmm. maybe you think I am not a math person and you've made that part of your identity. So maybe the next step is, I've never actually truly tried to be a math person. So I don't know. If I, or maybe math is a learned skill. I could change that about myself if I wanted to. Like starting to just bridge. What is the next step that makes you feel a little more neutral towards this belief? And then keep building. Yeah. I love what you just said about making it your identity because that's literally what we do. Like my, your whole persona becomes, but I'm the person who's good at this and not good at that. Right. And then that limits our experience. Right. Like we will choose to only do the things that we think we're good at. And we never have actually really attempted the other stuff. But yet we have this belief that we're not good at it, even though we've never actually proving, done it. You keep proving that to yourself because that's <laughs> right. just what you decided to do. <laughs> right. 
So, yeah. So taking it out of your identity and looking at it as, again, something outside of yourself, because I think that's the thing, like through everything that we've been talking about today, it's like we're making everything so personal, right? Like it's all about like us and who we are when the reality is we can create that separation between, you know, our business or the the skills that we haven't yet acquired without them being like, you know, completely defining who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, in my case, like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm a corporate person. Like I know nothing about running a business. Like I don't know how to do this. And I kept telling myself that for a really, really long time before I was like, okay, this is not serving me anymore. Let me, you know, let me, let me, I can learn it. Just like I learned to become, you know, good at the job that I used to do. I can learn to become good at this as well. But just like opening that door and trusting, I think trusting ourselves too, right? Like trusting ourselves to be able to handle what's coming. Yeah. I want to add to that because I think here's the thing with, we tend to, sometimes imposter syndrome can be a little bit of an indulgent way to procrastinate or Uh, just buffer. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. calls it buffering, right? So what that means is if you, let's think about your goal with your business. So maybe it's to get your website up, or maybe it's to get your first customers or whatever. What do a brain dump of like all the things you think that are standing in the way between you and your next customer or whatever it is. Some of that's going to be math. Like, oh, I just need more people seeing it. Oh, I need to make more offers, et cetera. The rest of it's going to be thoughts like, oh, you know, the mm-hmm. headline perfect enough. So I didn't post it like all of these things. Right. So getting clear on what those things are is going to be really important to start tackling one by one, each thing with a right. strategy, but most of us just say, Oh, I'm not, well, I'm overwhelmed and I'm not enough. And, and so I'm just never going to deal with these things. Right. And so then we just like sit in this stagnant, more comfortable pool of feeling not enough. Cause that's just what we're used to. And then we never, but we never actually address the things that need addressing. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. too, imposter syndrome, like I'm all about self-love. I'm all about, you know, take care of yourself and, and self-love thoughts and stuff. But I'm also about at some point you have to realize that you might be using this as like a little bit of a cover Yeah, and we have to start tackling one by one, the things that yeah. are holding back. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like <laughs> we have to start getting real with ourselves. I mean, I can't tell you how many times along, you know, the path of my own journey where I was like, okay, that's it. I quit. I'm just going to go back and get a corporate job. And then as soon as I make that decision, then I go, yeah, no, no, you're not. Okay. Get back on the horse. Right. Like, I don't even want to do that. I'm saying that out of frustration or overwhelm or like whatever it is. Right. I was just going to say something about trusting yourself. I think the other problem that we have, because you were saying like, we make everything mean something about ourselves and all this. I think this other challenge we have is we think that results are based on external things. We think it's based on Mm. how people respond to our product. We think it's based on, you know, if time was more free for us, like we just, we think there's external things that create our results versus we create our results with our beliefs, our thoughts, our actions every single day. And so one thing that hugely changed the game and got me out of like imposter syndrome mode in my business was being like, I don't get to decide who says yes to me or who joins my program or whatever, but I do get to decide that I'm going to hit a certain result and make it inevitable that it happens. Whether that means I just make more offers to more people, whether that means I get Mm -hmm. support, whether like I get to decide that. And that was like something that like 
took responsibility, put it in my hands and made me stop being this like, well, I hope it happens. I hope I'm enough. I hope like it changed the game for me. So I think this other thing we have to crack and maybe it's not imposter syndrome, but it's just kind of an internal belief that people have or don't have is that we can't control anything. We can't control how people are. We can control us and how we show up and what we choose to do and what we're embodying every single day. And that's like, to me, the most freeing thing, it can be scary for people because then yeah. there's no more, uh-oh, well, it just didn't happen, right? But, and it's not a reason to beat yourself up. It's a reason to keep learning. But that was really important on the journey for me, at least. Yeah, that was a huge thing for me as well. Like this whole thing, I can control the action, but I can't control the outcome. And it was actually pretty freeing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause it was like, I, everything that I need to control is like literally within my own, <laughs> within my own world. And then I put it out there. My job is literally to put it out there and, yeah. and let go, right. Just let go of it. But I think to a lot of us that I know this is true for me, like I grew up where it was like control, manipulate, manage everything. Like it had a million balls in the air. Right. And like, honestly, I think we were taught that way. Right. And especially if you come in the, from the corporate world, like we're often taught that way. So the idea of like taking an action and then just letting the result go, letting the result be what it may, and then learning from it was like a bit of a foreign concept, right? Because we're never, we're not given permission to fail, right? Like to put something out there and see what happens. Right. Failure has become like my favorite thing now. (laughs) I like tried to give myself dares or comfort zone challenges or things that might fail because then I can actually look at what worked, what didn't work, what can I improve next time? Oh, interesting. What's been your most recent failure? Well, you know, what's been surprising. The most surprising thing about doing this exercise is things that I thought would be an immediate no, or like, this is never going to work. Right. It's actually been like, oh, we'll think about it. Or, oh yeah, sure. Or like all these things. I'm just like shocked. I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? I just didn't do it because I thought it was going to be, this is an immediate no. (laughs) So the thing that I've learned has been like, holy moly, if you actually ask for things that you want in life, like a lot of times they might say no. And I kind of like went and expected that, but I'm like, sometimes they say yes. And I'm like, whoa, that just blows my mind. So that's been fun. But as far as big failures, oh my gosh, there's been so many. I mean, I did this Facebook ads launch for the first time and my team, you know, I take responsibility for it, but there were some, some challenges where the ads kept going past the date that they were supposed to go. And, you know, people were sick and we, the deadlines were made. Like, I mean, it was, there were parts of it that were wins and it's still a silver lining because it's something you keep refining and improving. And I had to do it to get the data, but like, that's one example. I mean, I there's, I've had probably hundreds of consults. So there's been a lot of no's in my life, Mm -hmm. which is really fine with me. Um, but I know that's part of it, you know? So I, I mean, I could go there's, there's yeah, been yeah. many failures, <laughs> so many. I was listening to Sarah Blakely, you know, the founder of Spanx talking the other day. And she said her father used to ask her every day when she came home from school, what you fail at today? Ooh, and I know. And so she's like, if I didn't, if I hadn't tried something and failed, she said, I felt like I was letting him down. And she said that completely changed the definition of failure. And then like, look where that took her. <laughs> right. Wow. Like she, Yeah. It was so powerful. I love that. 
yeah, I love her. I, I, I think her story is so incredible. Like it really is a, a true story of just like following your passion, persevering, not taking it personally, although it is personal, not taking it personally, and then just trying stuff, challenging the status quo, right? I don't know. I, I could listen to her talk all day. I, I, <laughs> I really, really like oh, her. I know. She's so likable too. I love her, following she is. her on Instagram. <laughs> Me too. She's so real, like so real. Talk to me about authenticity and being yourself and giving yourself permission to be yourself in business. Ooh, that's a really good question. So I think that being authentic means that you are doing what you want to do and not basing every single decision on how others are going to think about it, what other people are doing. And so I think the most important thing, if you want to be authentic is number one, decide what your boundaries are going to be as far as letting, uh, like consuming. So this is, Mm. I used to scroll social media and stuff, or like look at examples of what other people are doing. I don't do that at all. Pretty much anymore. I barely scroll social media and I really just focused on, here's the thing I'm focused on right now. Here's how I want to deliver it, that kind of thing. And it doesn't mean I don't take constructive feedback or still learn about marketing and sales and all that kind of stuff. But it does mean that I think like we can kind of lose touch with our authenticity if we're always consuming other things outside of us Mm. for what we should be doing. The other thing I think is just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's inauthentic. So what I mean by that is if you don't like Facebook ads or something, and you just make that mean, well, I should never do Facebook ads. I don't like when ads come up on my feed. I encourage people to actually question that because usually you don't, you don't like something because you're not good at it, or you have some kind of trigger that goes off about it. And it's actually something to be explored instead of like, well, I just don't like that. So I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? So, and just like failure, nobody likes failure, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. Right. So that's the thing about authenticity. Like, I think a common mistake is people are like, oh, well, just do what makes your soul light up all the time and just do what's inspired all the time. And I'm, I don't subscribe to that. I think it's a little bit of a balance. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's trusting yourself and listening to your intuition, but I also think sometimes you have to do some things you don't really like doing. And then the other thing I would say is just making sure that when you're like, it's inauthentic to, hide. So if you have something to say and you have been afraid or you've been making it perfect in your mind and you've never released it yet, that can be inauthentic because it gives you no opportunity to connect with others. And I think a part of authenticity is connection, like is connecting with people who we're meant to connect with. Mm. Interesting. I asked that question because I talk all the time about midlife being the gateway to authenticity in that, you know, we basically at this point of our lives kind of shedding anything that's not working for us and really like stepping into who we are because midlife is the gateway to authenticity. And it's about really kind of shedding what's not serving us and really stepping into who we are because we have so many of us lived under social conditions and what we think are expectations, right? And we're holding ourselves back from it. The point that you just made, which is a really important distinction, is we sometimes we're allowing that social conditioning to define us, Mm -hmm. right? And then we're not being our authentic selves. And then like we talked about all the stories and everything else, right? It's like, well, I'm not good at marketing. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it, right? Or, you know, 
and then distinguishing between what my soul is saying versus what I'm afraid of, right? Yeah. And challenging ourselves on that. So it really is like, yes, be, being your most, most authentic self and putting yourself out there, but don't let that stand in the way of you trying new things. Exactly. If that makes sense. That was well said. Yeah, no, that definitely summarizes what I was trying to get across in a much more clear way. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. What you said was, was perfect as well too. And then finally, just talk to me about dreaming visualization. Like, is that something that you subscribe to that you encourage your clients to do? Yes. So it's funny you bring that up because I was actually thinking about recently how I haven't been doing enough of that anymore. Mm. Like I'm so in the day to day that I'm like, wow, I haven't had like a vision time with myself in a long time. (laughs) So I do think it's important to think about why are you doing all this? What is your vision for your life? How do you want to feel each day? What do you want to do each day? Like all of that. So I'm very big on like journaling in the Mm -hmm. morning. I have journal prompts. I have like this thing in my program called the six figure journal, like uh, that are questions that I used along the way to my first six figures in my business. And it's to help trigger ideas and excitement and confidence in yourself and all that stuff along the way to building what you want. So I do think reflection and visualization and letting yourself dream is really important, especially for women who are older and have, you know, do want to transition as something, but they don't know how it looks like yet. They don't know the how, and this is the other thing. We get really caught up like, I don't know all the hows. I don't know how this is going to unfold. So then they don't let themselves dream at all. But I think you should start with let yourself dream. Don't worry about the hows. Doesn't even matter. We can figure that out later. And then you start to realize when you're open to failing, you get an idea, you try something, it doesn't work. You get another idea, you try something, you refine it, it works. Like all the things, Then then the how becomes clear. But as, as many of your listeners know at this stage in their life, there's so many things they probably didn't realize how it was going to happen, but they wanted a kid or they wanted to get married or they wanted these. And somehow it just came together. So I do think it's important to think about what you want and be intentional about that versus letting life just be like, oh, you know, we'll see what happens. So yes, big fan of that. Yeah. It's, you know, I, you know, I, and I always say like, just give yourself permission. And like, if, even if you have this, like, you know, something in, in your mind or in your soul or whatever, and it feels so out there, it feels so ludicrous and almost impossible. Like play with it for a second, just allow yourself to go there. Picture yourself doing that thing. Like, you know, it could be, you know, you're going to, you want to race motorbikes and, you know, and maybe you don't actually end up doing that, but just dream about it for a second, put yourself on a motorcycle because there is so much to be learned in expanding that vision right? So maybe you don't do that exact thing, but what you really discover is, you know, I love going fast, right? And there's other ways to do it or like whatever it is. I'm, I'm, I'm scraping the bottom here, for example. No, no, but I get what you're saying. Cause like I had a time where I was like, I was actually thinking about this again, what recently I was like, I miss, I used to perform in a wedding band and I sang and, and cover songs and all this stuff my whole life. And then I also used to teach fitness before the pandemic and all this stuff. And I kind of stopped doing that because I feel like I've been very focused on my business, but going live and do, I get that performance thing just from my podcast and my videos and all that stuff. But I felt like, oh man, I kind of miss that. Like I kind of miss that component and it, it didn't matter whether it was fitness or performing at a wedding or whatever, 
but I realized that about myself. And so I would think then it got me more rather than having like a vision, like, oh, it has to happen in a specific way. I need to go get back into writing songs and stuff. It was more like, oh, how come today I do some kind of performing or treat something mm. like my performance? Oh, I love that. My Super Bowl that I'm training for. Like, <laughs> I need something like that in my life. So then I was just asking better questions and then able to give purpose to what I, more purpose to things I had going on. You know what I mean? So you don't have to do a complete like life revamp, but you're right. You'll realize these themes about it. Like, oh, I like to go fast or, oh, I miss performing or <laughs> yeah. I want to feel electric. Like, and then you can generate those through different avenues, you know? But and, yeah. I love what you, I love that so much because, you know, even like, you know, when you're, you know, finding ways to perform, you're following your joy yet in a slightly different manner. Right. But you're still kind of filling that need. And I think for most of us, the dream is the, is the key to understanding, oh, that I have this need, right? Like, whereas before we might not even have noticed it, right? Because we're so busy doing, going, going, going. So being in that space where we just allow ourselves to play with these things that feel really impossible and almost ridiculous, right? Like play with it, just spend five minutes thinking about what that might be like and see what, what comes out of it. Because I know in my case, things I have dreamed about and then like, they felt like ridiculously impossible have actually now happened. And I'm like, oh, I guess that wasn't so impossible after all. Right. Yeah. Without that, it, and it's just, it's also just a way to expand our brains a little bit, right? Like expand the possibilities within our brains, which tend to be kind of in a square box of doing what we do every day. Right. Yeah. 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 And I realize, like the older, I'm not very old. I mean, <laughs> I'm not midlife woman yet, but <laughs> I am an old soul. But the, <laughs> the thing I want to say is, is I notice I, I used to dream a lot more naturally. Because when we're younger, we're like, oh, I haven't, you know, graduated college yet, or I, I'm still in school or like, and it's very natural and encouraged. And like, you have your whole future ahead of you and everybody's encouraging you to do what you love and all this. But then you get older and you get into the daily grind and yeah. you're setting goals. And it, it just kind of feels like old, like it just gets old and nothing. And I feel like a lot of things don't phase me anymore. That used to be huge and crazy. Like now I'm like, just another day. (laughs) I think it's this thing where you have to make, like, you have to put this on your calendar. You have to give yourself this task of dreaming because it it doesn't come as naturally the older you get, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why most of my clients come to me because, you know, they're reaching midlife and they're feeling stuck about what's what's next. Right. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is what you just said is that, you know, we as kids, we dreamt about, you know, what we were going to be when we grow up and who we were going to marry and how many kids we were going to have and, you know, what house we were going to live in. And then our dreams stopped. Like we never actually thought past that. So then we go through life and we do all these things and then we reach the thing and then we look over the the edge and we're like, oh, there's nothing there. Right. And it's because we haven't actually just even thought about it. Right. We just keep doing what we're doing. And that's like probably one of the biggest keys is like, well, what, like just dream about something, even if it's starting as small as your perfect, like your perfect day, what does your perfect day look like? Right. Yeah. So you coach mainly health coaches. Am I right? Yes. So I work with a lot of health and life coaches in the personal development space. I've worked Mm -hmm. with many different business types, but usually in the service provider space. So it's been a variety, but my main, you know, podcast and all that stuff is centered around coaches in particular. Okay, cool. So if somebody's interested in finding out more about you, your programs, what you do, where can they find you? 
Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Haley underscore row. It's H A I L E Y underscore R O W E. And I have my website, HaleyRow.com. And on there, there is a, if you're looking to start a business and this can actually apply to pretty much anybody, but you just tweak it to your business type. There's a free niche marketing training on there. So it will help you get clear on who is your target audience Mm -hmm. if you're starting a business and how do you appeal to them? And then I have the Health Coach Nation podcast, the Health Coach Nation Facebook group. And that is kind of all the places I think. Yeah, because I know there are women in my audience who specifically are very focused on health, either coming out of their own health challenges or having, you know, family issues where, you know, this is like, it's, it seems like it's a, it's a, an area of passion for a lot of women, because I think we can make such a difference with, you know, our health. So anybody listening, I encourage you to go check out Haley Rowe. We'll put all of her socials in the show notes. And thank you for spending this time with us today, Haley. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody can check out Jennifer as well on the Health Coach Nation podcast. She was an awesome guest. And I think I got to check if your your episode came out yet, but it's coming if it hasn't. So check it out. And thanks for having me. Yeah, it was, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. And everybody listening, if this podcast resonated with you in any way, you heard anything you'd liked, we would love it if you would rate, review, or even just share with a friend. We are trying to get this podcast to a wider audience of like-minded women, and that would really help us. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.